Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, good morning, gang, and welcome to today's program here on New Southern Garden. I hope that you all have had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I I know Thanksgiving's on Thursday, but it seems like the whole weekend ought to be dedicated to our giving thanks, being with family, being with friends, showing each other love. I had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I hope you did, too. Maybe we can continue that spirit, continue that uh, atmosphere of Thanksgiving all year long. And of course, we're right here, getting towards the middle of two major holidays. It's that holiday time. We've already noticed Christmas trees being sold and people decorating. Christmas lights were up right as soon as Halloween was over. So we've got a lot to be looking forward to. I hope it's not uh, enough to uh, get on our nerves, but you go into the shopping centers and stores and you already hear Christmas music. It's wonderful. It's the most wonderful time of year. I think somebody said that before, though. So on today's program, it's not just the holiday season, but here on at New Southern Garden, it is the end of the month. This is the last Saturday before December. And so we are going to, of course, answer your questions. I love the last show of the month because here on New Southern Garden, we want to give you inspiration. We want to give you ideas, encourage you, uh, give you a toolbox of things to use in your landscape. As you're planting new things or trimming, pruning, watering, mulching, composting, we want to help you help you along in those areas and give you those ideas, but sometimes you need something more specific to your landscape that maybe nobody else has. So we, of course, love to answer your questions, and of course, we've got a great selection of questions today that have been sent this past month. Of course, if you have a question that's burning through your begonias, which I'm sure if you have begonias left, you're in... You're a lucky one because it's been cold enough to get rid of all of those summer annuals that we love. They just can't handle the freeze. But if you've got a question that we haven't addressed here and you still need some help, well, be sure to check us out online at NewSouthernGarden.com and you can find the contact us page there. You can send us a question uh, at your convenience sometime over the next month. I know you'll got a lot of things to do. I know Christmas is around the corner. You're going to be buying presents, getting ready, uh, bringing in foods and making dishes and whatnot, but maybe still save a little bit of time each week to contemplate your landscape and your garden. Maybe you're growing some winter vegetables. We talked about that uh, around the planting season for them, but if you're still growing some things and have some questions, feel free to check us out at NewSouthernGarden.com, and you can also send us a question on Facebook and Instagram. It's a great way to stay involved with the New Southern Garden family, New Southern Garden community, and we will be uh, 
pulling those questions as well as we receive them. Now, on Facebook and Instagram, you can send us a picture or a video. Of course, uh, folks have sent us videos of their landscape showing us specific sites and things that need to be addressed. So we'd like to do the same for you. It's the time of giving. It's the time of year for us to give back for everything that we're thankful for. So we are thankful for you, um, our dedicated listeners and our new Southern gardeners. I guess we could call it that. Yeah, our new Southern gardeners. (laughs) And so we want to be uh, helping you in your landscape uh, as much as you help us by listening to this show. So... With, with no further ado, with no further ado, we should jump into your questions. Go to the mailbag, go to the mailbox, the inbox, whatever we call it these days. This first question I want to address sooner than later because it's very timely. This question is very timely. It comes from Karen in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, she, let's see a summary here. Uh, basically, Karen is wondering what can she do now that we are in the holiday season to provide a little more interest for her, her winter garden. And that is something that we need to think about all year long. We tend to only think about it in this time of year when the leaves on the trees have fallen, the deciduous shrubs have dropped their leaves, We've got a bunch of twigs, we got those gray skies uh, usually day to day, and it can be a little gloomy, but plants, of course, can uplift our spirits, and they help us to create a, a certain kind of atmosphere. Now, of course, in the South, uh, it gets cold. Uh, we have had some very cold freezing nights already, but for the most part, we have mild winters, which means we can still enjoy some of our outdoor spaces uh, all, all, all year long, even this colder time of year it's still comfortable at least for parts of the day maybe on a nice sunny day we sit in the sunshine we don't necessarily want to sit sit under the shade in the winter time it's just a cold place but we do need the shady sites for summer so we've got to find a nice balance in our landscape so that we don't just have a blank gloomy garden in the winter we need to have a space that is going to intrigue us and Uh, stimulate us to want to be outdoors all year long. So we do appreciate Karen's question. It's very timely. And of course, you can use this planting season, which essentially is fall through winter, to jazz up your winter spaces. If you now is a good opportunity to step outside, look in your landscape and look around and see how many things have leaves, evergreens, and how many plants do you have that don't have. Uh, leaves. So with that in mind, I like to use sort of a 60-40 rule when it comes to, I say rule like it's the Bible, but it's not. You can always break this rule. Uh, But when it comes to balancing evergreens and deciduous, I like to lean heavier towards the evergreen plants and a little lighter on deciduous plants for any given space. So Whether you're looking outside your front stoop and you've got beds planted under the windows and beds planted uh, along the garage or whatnot, whether you're on the backside of your landscape, around the patio uh, or deck, we still want to evaluate how many evergreen plants we have and how many deciduous plants we have. Now, let's clarify. Evergreen plants are those plants that keep their leaves all year long, or at least most of them. Now, deciduous plants are those plants that usually give you great blossoms at some time of the year, but they do drop their foliage for winter. Now, of course, in the tree world, oaks and maples are generally going to be 
deciduous plants, deciduous trees. So they have leaves in the spring, summer, most of fall. Then as the uh, seasons change, going into fall and winter, they drop their leaves. So we're left with a pretty tree, but a leafless tree. So we're going to address several ways that we can use these deciduous plants in the landscape to even make our winter look really awesome. Now, now that we have the difference there, I like to go with about 60% of my plants as evergreen plants and about 40% as deciduous plants. And that way we still have something great to look at all winter long. Now, it could be 50-50. Half of your plants could be... Um, evergreen and half of them could be deciduous you can do whatever you want it's your space but if you really want winter interest the first place to start is going to be balancing your evergreen shrubs and trees with your deciduous shrubs and trees so out of every 10 plants if 60 sorry those numbers don't make sense out of every 10 plants you have if six of them if six of them are evergreen, then you will surely just have this kind of naturally occurring, um, based on your design, you will have a great winter display. So that's the very first thing we want to address is the number, the number of uh, evergreen plants and deciduous plants. Sorry, I'm making a note here because I just had a thought. So um, now let's talk about using certain evergreen plants in the landscape. Uh, general conversation here about evergreen plants, particularly shrubs. We start with hollies. Of course, hollies are wonderful. Uh, not all hollies are evergreen. You've got winter berry holly, which of course is deciduous, but it does carry berries for most of the winter on its naked stems, its deciduous stems. But for the most part, the evergreen hollies, many of them will produce some kind of ornamental fruit. We call them berries. Uh, some are red. Some are different shades of red. Some can be towards the whites and some are towards the purple and blacks. So you can have a great winter interest just from the shiny, glossy green leaves of hollies. But the added benefits of berries over winter are a great contrast. You've got the brilliant reds smashed up right in and amongst the green, dark leaves of the holly. It's a wonderful plant. Now, uh, gardenia. I use gardenia a lot on the show. I talk about it a lot because it is a great plant. It is so versatile. Gardenias can grow in shade. They can grow in sun and anywhere in between. Now, you may have to treat the sun ones a little different than the shade ones, but regardless, it's a great way to have shiny green leaves all year long. And then, of course, when it comes to evergreen shrubs and trees, uh, conifers are a great way to go. Now, conifers are those trees that don't have broad leaves. So when we talk about evergreen shrubs like gardenias and hollies and azaleas, those are all in a special group of plants with broad leaves. But the conifers are those fine, tiny, scale-like or all-shaped leaves. Of course, we're talking about things like cedars and uh, cypresses and cryptomeria and arborvitae and false cypress. There's a wonderful, wonderful range of conifer plants, coniferous plants that are going to do a great job. I have just naturally occurring 
eastern red cedar on our property and in my garden, and I like to keep those around. They do get big. Most of them are young saplings, so they're fairly tame right now. I'll have to work to keep them shapely and to fit the space that they're in, but that is a great native plant that can do a great job of providing you not only that evergreen uh, foliage, but also a fine textured foliage because their leaves are so tiny that when you put them beside a camellia or a hydrangea, you've got this great contrast in texture. So, of course, uh, I mentioned the cryptomeria. There are some wonderful cryptomerias that get really big and can make a statement in between property lines or on property lines in between properties. Uh, they get big like the old Leland Cypress did, uh, but they're a, a stately tree that is going to give you a screen and a, a natural backdrop, a natural green backdrop, and they tend to be on the lighter greens, nearly a lime green. But the cryptomeria can, there are some big ones, but uh, it's also commonly called Japanese cedar. Uh, but there's some little puffballs too. There's one called Globosa nana cryptomeria with those tiny bright green leaves all year long. And the name Globosa nana means little globe. That's a literal translation, little globe. And they do keep a nice, round, tight, globe-like form that can be in itself a very uh, interesting look just from the shape of that globe-like plant. But regardless, the conifers are something that you need to add because, like I mentioned, the main benefit is, of course, they're evergreen. But secondly, they are very fine textured leaves, very small leaves, and it can be put up against one, some of our most classic and iconic plants like gardenias and azaleas and camellias and, and hydrangeas. And with that contrasting foliage, big leaves right beside tiny leaves, that will give you a wonderful interest all winter long, especially around the holidays. So be sure to evaluate your evergreen shrubs and make sure you've got enough of them. The temptation to pack your landscape with deciduous plants is great. And the reason is because most deciduous shrubs bloom very heavily. Some deciduous shrubs, plants that drop their leaves, they bloom all at once, like uh, um, yellow bell, yellow bell bush, forsythia. It's a wonderful deciduous shrub. It drops its leaves uh, and it's just naked stems all winter long, but it does have a flush of those very bright yellow flowers and it's fairly late in the winter, nearly early spring. So don't forget about forsythia, but those kinds of plants are tem a big temptation to pack full, but we've got to think about evergreen shrubs and evergreen trees because that will help you create this balance of some kind of interest throughout the winter. Well, when we get back, folks, I've got more ideas for Karen and for you when it comes to creating winterist, winter interest, winterist uh, for the holiday season. Hang on tight. Hey gang, do you sometimes feel like you are riding a lonely trail while gardening, all alone with no one to join in the fun? Well, join the new Southern Garden community today and find peace of mind by sharing your experiences, whether they be poor ones or successful ones. New Southern Garden is on Facebook and Instagram, so I'd love for you to friend, follow, like, share whatever it is we're doing these days. Also, you can check out our website at NewSouthernGarden.com. 
where you can not only find every episode of the show ever, but you can also send us a question via our Contact Us page. It's never fun gardening alone, so get social with the New Southern Garden family and let's grow well. So, gang, uh, before the break, I sort of just happened to make up a, a new word. I think that it's going to be a good word to, to hang on to. I was, we're, today we're talking, uh, we're answering your questions, first of all, but Karen in Atlanta had sent us a question asking how can she provide winter interest for the holiday season in her landscape and her, her garden. And I just happened to say winterest. So, I guess we can make up a new gardening word. Winter interest. Let's blend that and call it winterest. So how can we add some winterest to your landscape? Well, before the break, we were talking about using evergreen shrubs and creating a balance of evergreen shrubs with deciduous shrubs because, of course, the deciduous shrubs don't do a whole lot for us over winter. Now, there are some that will, and I'll talk about it later. Um, But generally, the deciduous shrubs, they drop their leaves. They're not necessarily blooming, even though there's one case we'll talk about. I'm just teasing you along here. Uh, So if we don't want a landscape full of bare twigs, we've got to make sure we've got a balance of evergreen shrubs mixed in. And I like to use about 60% evergreen shrubs and 40% um, deciduous plants. And that way, we've got a wonderful looking landscape all year long. 60% of it is still evergreen. It still has foliage, still has some kind of interest. So be sure to evaluate that. That's first thing. Now, the second thing is we do want some flowering plants in the landscape in the winter. And a lot of times we, we think we can't have um, flowering plants in the winter, but there are plenty of shrubs in particular that are going to bloom over the course of the fall and winter season. Now, many of these bloom late winter. Uh, not many, not too many things bloom like right on Christmas Day, but if we have the right climactic conditions that year and things are just right for to encourage these winter blooming plants to bloom, they may very well be blooming. On Christmas. So the very first place I like to go is to an happens to be an evergreen shrub that you are probably familiar with. If you grew up in the South and had a mother or grandmother, (laughs) then you probably are familiar with the camellias. The camellias are uh, well known for being grown in the South because they perform well here. They don't perform too well up north where it's very cold. But we have a wonderful condition that they keep their leaves all year and they bloom over the course of fall and winter. So within the camellias, there are two main groups that we do grow in the South. First of all, we have the Japanese camellia and the Sasanqua camellia. Now, both of these, they're not native here, of course. You kind of get that from the name uh, Japanese, but they do come from Asia. And there's been hybrids of all these, and they've been selecting for many years, decades, probably over 150 years now. But the point is, is that both of these camellias will help you maximize your blooming, uh, the, the blossoms in your landscape over winter. The camellias start out with sasanqua blooming. The sasanquas start to bloom uh, sometime around now. 
they, I noticed that they've bloomed maybe a little earlier than we thought, but October, November, and into December, some will bloom almost up to Christmas Day. There's one called Yuletide Camellia. It's aptly named. Uh, the flower is red. The foliage is green. So if it happens to bloom around Christmas, it's a perfect fit with its name Yuletide. But it actually usually blooms around Thanksgiving. So the Sasanquas bloom first. Now, Sasanqua can be, Sasanqua Camellias can be grown in the full sun and all the way into deep shade. But then the Japanese camellias are a little different. Now, they, the Japanese camellias bloom later. They usually bloom after the new year and maybe by the end of January, but definitely February and March as we go into uh, to April. Um, that's for sure. So they're kind of late to the party. But again, what else is blooming that time of year? Not too much. Now, the Japanese camellias have much larger leaves and much larger blooms than Sasanqua camellias. But the Japanese camellias can't really grow well in the sun. They will tolerate it, but they will always look sort of yellow. We call it anemic. They look anemic. They're chlorotic. And so you can't really recover that. The plant will live, but it just won't be that dark, luscious green. So give your Japanese camellias a bit of shade, particularly shade in the afternoon. They could handle full morning sun, uh, but by the time uh, summer gets here, uh, for that camellia, Japanese camellia, to be in full sun all day long, it's just not going to look its best. But Sasanqua, don't worry. Put it in full sun. Put it in full shade either direction on that. So definitely add camellias to your plant palettes for those winter blooms and evergreen leaves. Now, another evergreen plant that this one gets a bad name for being sort of hard to grow, and it can be if it's just in the wrong spot. But uh, this next plant is called Daphne, winter Daphne or Daphne odora, a very fragrant Daphne. When these blossoms open up in about January to March, we'll say, it's definitely the later winter bloomer. But when these flowers open, they just fill and permeate the air around your landscape, around your patio. But Daphne doesn't like full sun. All right, it can definitely grow in, in shade, probably morning sun, afternoon shade. But we don't want to put Daphne in too, too much sun. It just doesn't like it. The other thing Daphne doesn't like is to have wet soil. We don't want to put Daphne in a boggy area or an area beside the, the AC unit where it drains and the condensation line uh, drips. Definitely not near a gutter where water may puddle and pool. We want to plant Daphne on a little bit of a slope if we can. We want to make sure that it, uh, its feet are not sitting or standing in water. So its roots have got to have well-drained soil. Now you can combat that in about any area by planting Daphne on a mound. When you pull the plant out of its pot and take the, uh, uh, pull the root ball out, you really can dig a very shallow hole for it, maybe four inches, five inches deep, and then pile up soil and soil amendment, whatever you want to use, um, around the root ball. And it's going to look funny because it's st sitting on a mound. But this is called planting proud. And Daphne would definitely prefer to be mounded up where she can find the areas of soil that she can grow rather than being forced too deeply into our clay soils that we have here in the Piedmont. That can be a disaster for Daphne. So Daphne is an evergreen plant. There's some great forms. Uh, they have white flowers. Some have pink flowers. Uh, some have dark green leaves. And some have dark green leaves with variegation, white variegation along the edge. Wonderful 
very, probably a critical plant to have for that winter interest garden. That's for sure. That winterest garden. <laughs> I like it, winterest. Now, another flowering shrub that will give you blossoms over winter tends to be late winter, but this is the Chinese paper bush. Botanically, we call it Edgewarthia. Edgewarthia. And it is a wonderful plant, of course. It's not native here, but it grows just fine here. It, it, well, it's native home. It has a very similar climate that would... Uh, to two hours. Now, it is deciduous, but it has these very big uh, sort of single lobe leaves, uh, sort of like a, a lance, I guess, in a way. Well, anyhow, they hang off the plant all year, and in the summer, in the spring, in the summer, in the fall, they're just a plant with leaves. But they make this sort of perfect dome, which is a wonderful thing, because this is almost perfectly round plant. If you train them, uh, you don't have to train them to get that, but naturally they do it. Uh, but you can keep them that way with some training once they start getting a little aged. Okay, so then in the fall, those beautiful long leaves turn bright yellow, great fall color, and they fall to the ground. Then as we go through the, the next new year, after winter is coming, coming it to a close, they will start flowering with these big uh, globs. I'm really using some wonderful botanical terms, aren't I? These big masses of small yellow flowers. They have some fragrance to them. It's not a uh, Daphne fragrance like the one we just talked about, but the Chinese paper bush has this very bright yellow uh, flower. And these flowers are covering the plant without any leaves. So it's this awesome effect. It's a great architectural piece because you've got this perfect dome-shaped plant that is blooming, 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 and there's not a leaf in sight. Really attractive, very uh, picturesque. What's another word? I don't know. You just got to be sure to use it in your shady garden, and you will find that it gives you some wonderful winterest, some wonderful winter interest uh, around holiday season. New Year will be over, but still. It's beautiful. All right, gang, when we get back, more things to add winterest into your landscape. Hang on tight. Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. So, gang, today on New Southern Garden, we are answering your questions. Of course, the last Saturday of every month, we dedicate to answering your questions. That's our Q&A week. So, this Q&A week, we are answering uh, Karen's questions. She's in Atlanta, Georgia. And, you know, we've just gone through Thanksgiving. We're sort of smashed between Thanksgiving and Christmas, and we're going to have people coming over. We're going to have parties and get-togethers and dinners and all kinds of things. And Karen wants to know what she can do. She's looking around her landscape. It's looking pretty gloomy out there. Uh, what can she do to provide a little winter interest? Winterest, we're calling it now, winter interest. What kind of winterest can she add to, to give us some intrigue, to give us a little of a, a, attraction? with all the company coming over and, and whatnot. So 
The first thing we've talked about today, of course, to answer her question is to reevaluate how many evergreen shrubs we have. That's the very first thing I would do if we were talking about winter interest. Winterest? You're going to get tired of that, I know. Sorry. Uh, but the evergreen shrubs and trees, they're critical. They keep their leaves all year. If you don't have any, you've got little interest. Then we talked about flowering shrubs, winter flowering shrubs, and they exist. I mean, you're probably already familiar. We talked about camellias, but winter daphne and Chinese paper bush, these are just sort of the top three uh, flowering shrubs that will produce those flowers out of season in the wintertime. But there are some other things that we need to consider, some, uh, to me, very critical points. So the, the next thing, is how are we going to deal with all those deciduous plants? You know, we've got so many plants that drop their leaves. The hydrangeas have dropped their leaves. Uh, if you've got sweet shrub, it drops its leaves. Maple trees are dropping their leaves. And so what is left behind? Well, there's still some attraction to a leafless plant. And in horticulture, we call this architecture. Architecture. It's the way that the plant is built. It's some physical characteristic regarding the structure of the plant. So let's just start off with, say, Japanese maple. Japanese maple is a wonderful tree when it's got leaves on it. You know, it uh, makes a little shade tree. Um, it's got a great form with a nice canopy. But when the leaves fall, you see something about the plant that you may have never noticed before. And that's the architecture. For instance, with the Japanese maple, you sometimes have this multi-trunk tree or maybe a tree with a fork in it. And that is very interesting, very intriguing. And then as you climb into the canopy of that Japanese maple and you look up high, you start to see all the branches and how they're splayed and how they're, uh, they're positioned and, and the direction they're headed. And you sort of start to see something interesting. Yes, it's a tree without leaves, which seems boring. But if you look at it, you've got this wonderful architecture. Some other architectural things you need to consider are going to be the bark. Some plants have sort of nothing shiny about their bark, nothing fancy. But there are some plants that have a very white bark or gray bark. Japanese maple actually has some pretty bark. And then dogwoods, you know, they're, they've got a great bark because they sort of have this little blocky texture. And so that can be interesting. But there's a, a kind of bark that is well known and plays a big part of this architecture we're talking about. And that's the exfoliating bark trees and shrubs. Now, exfoliating bark is uh, basically a description of a plant's bark that is flaking off or peeling off sometimes it comes off in strips sometimes it hangs off like a shaggy fur sort of uh, and sometimes bark can uh, pull off in blocks or chunks and that can be very interesting very paper-like uh, many of these plants we're going to talk about are paper-like so a few plants to consider these are basically trees, small trees. But these trees here provide you with a wonderful winter interest just by looking at their bark. First of all, let's talk about the lace bark elm. Wonderful name for this plant. And it gets its name because 
its bark, as it ages, it starts peeling off, falling off, and you sort of have this dark brown and light brown, sometimes gray or white mixed in. And what you see are these real blocky patterns of different colors up and down the bark of the tree. That is a wonderful plant to provide some winter interest. Now, you're probably familiar with crepe myrtle. We've got some crepe myrtles at, at our house, and of course, they're not very old. Um, uh, they may be 20 years, but they're growing in some shade, and, and they're just not big yet. But regardless, they are at an age that they're already starting to show this exfoliating bark. And of course, the uh, crepe myrtles, they sort of have these big, irregular uh long, narrow patches of different colors. One of the best crepe myrtles, in my opinion, one of the best crepe myrtles for this exfoliating bark is the Natchez crepe myrtle. It was uh, part of the Native American series. There's like Natchez, Acoma, uh, Sioux, what else, Tuskegee, uh, Muscogee. There's all of these great uh, crepe myrtles, and they all have exfoliating bark, but the Natchez is a white bloomer in the summer, and of course, it's leafless over winter, but you see this rich cinnamon color bark with some lighter grays all mixed in up and down the trunk. There's a great example, a great stand of Natchez crepe myrtles at the University of Georgia State Botanical Garden in Athens. If you're ever over there, be sure to check out those trees. They've been there a long time. They're stately. They are huge. <laughs> I mean, they're probably 40 to 60 feet tall, but regardless, they've got that great exfoliating bark. Now, some other uh, plants, some other trees that have that very papery-like exfoliating bark, the first one that comes to mind, of course, is river birch. We've got to talk about river birch. They have that lighter colored bark, but it's very shaggy because it's, it peels off. That bark peels off in, in strips like paper, and the same for paper bark maple. Paper bark? Yeah, it's paper bark maple. The paper bark maple is not very common. You don't see it much in the nurseries. We are probably on the southernmost border for it. It doesn't love very hot, uh, brutal conditions, but if we plant paper bark maple in the shade, we can probably get away uh, with growing that plant in the um, zone 7 and zone 8 when we consider our USDA hardiness. So regardless, the paper bark, it has this real red, shaggy, paper-like bark that just peels off in layers. And if you plant it facing the setting sun, when the sun sets, it will shine through that warm sunset light and it will just put that bark on fire. So don't forget... Karen and any other new southern gardener who needs some winterest in their garden to use that architectural component of exfoliating bark. So the shape of plants, that structure that these uh, deciduous plants have is going to be important, but also their bark is going to be important as well. Now the last note about thinking about architecture of plants, we want to think about the shape of plants, even the evergreen plants, okay? So I mentioned earlier about the Globosa nana cryptomeria, the Japanese cedar, the little tiny globe. Uh, it's got a perfect globe shape, a round ball. Well, you can bring in some, uh, say, gold mop false cypress too, which has bright yellow foliage all winter long, but it's got sort of a pyramidal shape. So the difference between the globe and the pyramidal shape can be outstanding to give you some of that winterest that we're all looking for. Now, think about some pencil-shaped plants. Having some evergreen plants that are tall and narrow, that point straight up into the air, that too 
that kind of structure, that kind of shape, architecture, can really bring some interest. Of course, uh, there's some wonderful pencil-like plants uh, in the hollies. There's the sky pencil holly, which is a Japanese holly with these tiny, round, soft They're soft. They're not prickly hollies. They're soft, little round leaves, dark green. They stay that way all year. And of course, they just climb up into the air like pencils. And then we've got an arborvitae, an arborvitae called the Groot Spire. And it's just that. It is a spire. It's only about two feet wide, but it could get 12 to 20 foot tall, straight up in the air, kind of like the Italian cypress, which you could surely plant, even though they come with some concerns. But having something tall and narrow, the last one I may mention is sky rocket juniper. Now, it is um, most likely, there's some debate about which plant it really is, but it's most likely very closely related to our eastern red cedar. And the sky rocket juniper gets two or three feet wide, but climbs up into the air uh, 20 feet at least so really can give you some privacy if you want to plant a row of them you just got to plant them tight because they only get about three feet wide but they can also be used as specimens to give you some uh, structural architectural interest in the garden and in the landscape so for sure when it comes to getting that winterist getting that winter interest in the garden we want to think about the shape of plants the structure that they have uh, we want to think about the exfoliating bark these are some critical points to consider when you really want to make a wonderful winter display now the last point that we may make for karen's question today is about perennials We've talked a lot about trees and shrubs, but perennials can do so much for us over the winter. Uh, Most perennials that do something in the winter are actually working very hard in the uh, summertime, too. They're doing something, and maybe they're blooming in the summer, and they're evergreen all winter. Um, But regardless, here's a list of perennials that would be my first go-to. First of all, I would say let's be sure we have some evergreen ferns, because evergreen ferns give you great texture and usually some wonderful shades of foliage, whether it's dark green, limey green, to to bronze even. One of the best uh, winter ferns or evergreen ferns would be the autumn fern it's not native here but it is evergreen and its new foliage is bronze when the uh the the fronds start to unfurl and go towards the heavens they come out of the center of the plant like a bronze trophy like little uh, oscar statues coming coming up out of the center wonderful plant tassel fern holly ferns those two are evergreen as well and they do a really good job of providing you with some rich color and fine texture all winter and really all year long Now, on this program, we've talked a lot about this next plant, but I still love it, and I don't think that a winter garden could be complete without it. We're talking about Linton Rose, Linton Rose, or Hellebore, Helleborus. Now, Hellebores come in many different styles of uh, flower, some of them, the new ones, their flowers are pointed up into the air, but the traditional, the old-fashioned hellebores, those big um, uh, teacup-like flowers hang down towards the ground. So you can get a wide variety and range of look. Uh, The foliage is evergreen. The the foliage is hand-shaped, kind of like a palm, and so you sort of have five or six little fingers coming off of this big, broad leaf, so very coarse texture. Looks great with the tiny leaves of ferns. Now, the hellebores usually start blooming um, really when we're into January, probably February and March. So they're late blooming, but they still do a wonderful job. And 
the old-fashioned ones will reseed, and they will populate, giving you more hellebore Linton Rose babies for years to come. The newer varieties come with a variety of um, of leaf color, so we've got some that are blue leaves and almost gray, silvery leaves, but generally the, the new hybrids don't make seeds. And if they do, they won't look like their mother. So keep that in mind. Uh, Another plant, I hate to sort of end with this one, but uh, Liriope, yes, monkey grass, you know what it is. Well, I still think it has a place. It's been used a lot. We used it a lot through the 90s. But there are some new varieties, well, fairly new varieties, that are going to give you a wonderful winter interest look. And I know I don't have much time here before this break. So when we get back from this break, I'm going to finish our discussion on winterist, winteristing your garden, putting winter interest in your landscape. Hang on tight, folks. We'll be right back. Give it that go. Hey gang, it's Nathan. Thanks so much for listening to the New Southern Garden Podcast. Of course, I love providing you with horticultural information to get you growing and growing well. But sometimes you need more than just information. You need plants. So I'd love for you to join me at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week. But you can find more than just me, of course. (laughs) At Lanier Nursery and Gardens, you can browse through our wide selection of ornamental trees, glorious shrubs, and colorful perennials and annuals. And I want to thank all our listeners who have already made the trek to Lanier Nursery. It's been a pleasure to meet you and hear your gardening stories. We've got a wonderful crew of folks who are just itching to help you grow your best garden ever. So check out LanierNurseryGardens.com for more information and be sure to like us on Facebook and Instagram. Now let's get growing together. So, gang, today on New Southern Garden, we have sort of been wintering your landscape. Of course, today is our Q&A week here on New Southern Garden. We answer your questions at the end of every month. And Karen in Atlanta sent us a question asking about what can she do to provide some winter interest for the holiday season. Well, we've gotten a lot of ideas, so I hope that this has been helpful to you. Uh, All of you getting good uh, intrigue, good interest in your landscape, even during the cold gray months of winter. So before the break, I was telling you about some perennials that can do a good job of giving you that winter interest. Of course, the evergreen ferns, the hellebores that are evergreen but also bloom over winter. Um, I was talking about Liriope, and of course, that's where we left off. Liriope sort of gets a bad name. You know, monkey grass. Okay. Well, there are some cool benefits to Liriope. Now, a lot of folks think that Liriope runs and spreads, and there are some that do. But if you get the Liriope muscari, those selections are clump-forming Liriope, of course. It's a great way to add that grass-like look. Same with Dwarf Mondo. If you're familiar with a plant called Dwarf Mondo or Mondo grass, they're actually in the lily family. They're not true grasses by any measure, but they do have a summer flower, usually purples and sometimes whites, maybe some options with pinks, uh, but mainly purple and white flowers, but they have these strap-like leaves all winter long, and they really can add a a wonderful color um, and interest through winter. So uh, use those sparingly maybe, but there's one I wanted to draw your attention to, which is called Silver Dragon. Now, Silver Dragon Liriope is actually a Liriope with variegated foliage. So it's got dark green striped with um, whites 
it, the whole plant from a distance looks nearly gray, and that will give you that icy color that you're looking for over winter. Now, another plant that uh, we've talking, talked about a lot, because I, I do like these, but the euphorbias. Euphorbias are these uh, herbaceous perennials, which means they don't have woody stems. Uh, they last for many years, but they do sort of get bulky. They're about a three-by-three three plant. There are some varieties that stay smaller and tighter than that. But the cool thing is they have these uh, sort of strap-like foliage up and down their stems. They come in a variety of colors and shades. The ascot rainbow is a, a variegated leaf with yellows, greens, lime greens, touches of red, bronze, all mixed in, very colorful all winter. And then recently at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week, uh, we have been carrying a euphorbia called Glacier Blue. And it is another variegated uh, leaf. It has sort of a, an icy blue slash gray and white all in its leaves. It gives you that really, really uh, winter look, that's for sure. But the great thing about euphorbia is that when their stems or leaves are crushed, they ooze out a latexy sap. The sap is uh, looks like latex, and that is a key indicator that deer do not like them. Same for the hellebore. They don't like hellebores either. So if you're looking for something the deer won't eat over winter, euphorbia, hellebore, and usually ferns are a good choice. Uh, let's see, heuchera. So we've talked about heuchera before because they play a critical role in our autumn and fall gardens. But many of the heucheras, the... Um, Coral bells. This is a great native plant. They've been hybridizing them. They've been selecting them uh, for beautiful foliage and flowers. Uh, but most of these new varieties are really good evergreens. Now, they don't look like springtime in the winter, but they are there. And they come in a wide variety of these big, flat, broad leaves. They come in a variety of color. You've got purples and reds and lime greens to yellow, chartreuse. Then there's like green with uh, gray veins all covering around uh, the top of that leaf. So the heucheras or coral bells come with a wonderful interest all year long, but they also bloom. They're mainly a spring bloomer, even though some of these new ones, I've noticed some reblooming and particularly blooming in the fall. So they're wonderful pretty much all year long. Now, uh, one more that I'd talk about, which uh, is sort of sort of perennial. Well, it is perennial, but it's a ground cover. Uh, so it's not sort of this upright blooming plant. It stays very low to the ground. It creeps and crawls. It will fill in between patio stones. It's tame though. It doesn't go crazy. Okay. It's called a juga, a juga. And there's another name for it, but it slips my mind. But a juga is a nice evergreen ground cover that is going to give you uh, a very broad, shiny green leaf, or nowadays there's some great selections that have a very dark, nearly black purple leaf. And then there's one um, that has some great variegation. Uh, let's see, Burgundy Glow. Burgundy Glow Ajuga is a wonderful variegated plant. It's got um, uh, some green in it, some white, some pink, nearly maroon color, almost red. 
and it's very colorful. But they all have a little short, maybe up to four inches tall, a spike of blooms that comes on uh, usually spring to summer. They may rebloom, but they are present all year. So they can basically be a plant that's right up along the edge of a, uh, a border or, or right up along the uh, pathway, that, kind of that weird space between a pathway and big plants. A juga can surely feel, and she's going to give you all kind of interest all year long from blooms in the growing season to leaves uh, all all winter long let's see as far as ground cover go i should probably mention one of my favorites it's asiatic jasmine and if you have a bank or a slope and you surely don't want to be using english ivy that thing is just terrible terrible invasive plant but asiatic jasmine will do as good of a job maybe better at covering a, a slope um than English ivy, and you don't have to worry about the invasiveness. Now, it is aggressive. Uh, It crawls across the top of the ground uh, mainly. It might send some shoots from below the ground, um, but it's got this wonderful sort of arrowhead-shaped leaf. It comes to a point uh, right on the tip with a rounded backside, so really attractive. And it's dark green all year, except the new growth is very bronze in color. And over winter, those dark green leaves, as the cool weather comes and goes, those green leaves may be more red, maybe a little orange, uh, a rich maroon color. And so you sort of get this tapestry, this tapestry of color with this Asiatic jasmine ground cover. Now, I would use that in broad masses, or you could use it in a container to spill over the edge of a pot that you want to have some winter interest in. Uh, But she doesn't play nicely with others because she is a genuine ground cover, a genuine ground cover. And so with that in mind, give her some space, and she'll cover a slope no problem. The same with this last ground cover, uh, which is... We consider it evergreen, but Creeping Jenny, right, Lysimachia, Lysimachia, Creeping Jenny, she's a wonderful plant, but she does get out of hand sometimes, and if you have Creeping Jenny, you know she'll pop up where you didn't expect her to because she can creep and crawl, but otherwise, Creeping Jenny, there's a wonderful variety called Aria, and Aria is a bright chartreuse lime green. It's pretty much the standard now, and for good reason, because she has that limey green color all year long. Sometimes you get a flush of red. So she's really great. So Karen, thank you for your question today uh, about winter interest for the holiday season, which we're calling winterist. So we've added some winter interest by using evergreen shrubs, flowering winter shrubs, thinking about the architecture and the bark uh, of certain plants. And then of course, we've talked about a number of perennials that are going to do something in your landscape all winter long. So get out there this holiday season. And give Winteresting a go. For WRWH 93.9 FM and New Southern Garden, I'm Nathan Wilson, hoping you stay well and grow well. See you next week, gang. Hey, thanks for joining us for this edition of Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show. If you have a comment about today's program, you can reach out to Nathan by sending an email to grow at LanierNurseryGardens.com. Also get more information at NewSouthernGarden.com. Join us next Saturday on Local News Radio 93.9 FM and AM 1350 for Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show.